You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. So, that was the announcement. If you were here at Christmas Eve, we told you about it. And isn't that awesome? Thanks to you guys, we were able to relieve a million dollars. That's awesome. So, thank you guys for doing that. There's 542 people in Tennessee and Georgia that got an envelope that said their debt was relieved. And I love that about this church. That's the heart of this church is to care for others. We actually, we were on two different news stations. That was Channel 11. Channel 5 came and, and interviewed me here at the church. And uh, came and the, when we were done, the guy was just talking to Elliot and I. He said, I'll get some B-roll footage. And so he went around. He was taking shots. And he came in. He said, do you guys have like a cross or, or something I can take a picture of? We said, no. We don't have anything cool like that. He's like, how about a great artwork? And I said, no, no, we don't have that. And he said, okay, well, I'll just go get a picture of your sign. And if you guys have seen our sign when you drive out, check it out on your way out. It's a faded van- vinyl um, thing that we've, we've replaced a couple times because the wind came and it's, well, there's another one in the creek somewhere. And, and Elliot and I just laughed at him and we're like, you're not going to want a shot of that either. <laughs> and, and the guy said, and he smiled, he's like, well, are you, aren't you guys even proud of your church? And it was neat because I got a chance to tell him, I said, you know what? We are. But we took the money that we would put in a sign and relieved a million dollars worth of debt. And isn't that cool? So it's very neat. Now, all that's to say, uh, as an ops team, we did talk on Tuesday. We kind of need to get a real sign. <laughs> so that might be coming, but, um, but it is secondary to doing God's work. This morning is, is a, uh, an unusual message, maybe a vulnerable one. We might come out of here, you might think that I'm crazy. It might be one that you come out and think you're crazy. I don't know. Or maybe you'll think the person sitting next to you is, and, and that's not so bad, right? But it's a message that Jesus meets a tax collector. And before we get into Mark chapter 2, I want to read to you from Luke 18, a different tax collector and Pharisee story. Luke 18, verse 9, beginning of verse 9 says... He, meaning Jesus, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This morning, as we get into Mark chapter 2, we're going to see two different people. We're going to see a tax collector... And a Pharisee. Or more or less a a tax collector and a group of Pharisees. Or maybe it would be better to understand a a sinner and those that are pious. Those that are broken, hurting, sinning, scared, depressed, anxious, confused, lonely, unemployed, scared, relationships broken, missing loved ones. All these things that are just weighing down on them. 
you have that as the tax collectors. Those that are real. Those that are honest. Those that are coming before the Lord and saying, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I got weaknesses and shortcomings. And I'm here with, with you, Jesus. And then you have the Pharisees. Those that are self-confident, naive. Those that are holier than thou, judgmental, critical. You got the Pharisees and the tax collectors. And some churches, a lot of churches have both. Some churches just have the Pharisees. Maybe you've visited one of those churches where you have to have it all together. You can't come broken. You can't come and be real. You have to put on a mask and have a smiley face because if you know that this church is full of Pharisees and, and they're going to be judging me if they know that I'm a tax collector. When the reality is they're all tax collectors pretending to be Pharisees. Then there's other places. Something that I hope Discovery Church is, it's a place of tax collectors. A place of broken, a place of real a place of sinners that are coming to meet Jesus. And so in our story today, we got the tax collectors and the Pharisees, and, and we're going to have to come to a realization, which one are we? Which one are you acting as? Which one are you living as? Which one are you coming to church as? Which one are you leading your home as? Which one are you going to work as? A tax collector? Real or a Pharisee? Putting on a mask. If you'll pray. God, I just pray this morning your word speaks. God, I pray that it penetrates our hearts and our minds. God, I pray as maybe we come to the realization for the first time that we're a tax collector or maybe as we just humbly admit time and again, that's who we are. We're broken and we need a doctor. We need a physician. We need Jesus because we're sick. God, if there's any Pharisees in this place, touch their heart and help us see. In your name, amen. Mark chapter 2, if you have your journals, uh, if you didn't grab a journal and you want to get one, we, we ordered a few more. We have them at the coffee shop. Um, or if you got this old thing called a Bible, you can traditionally use that. Or use your app, use whatever you want, or just have it up on the screen. And we are going to get into Mark chapter 2, verse 13. It begins, he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Already, in just the two chapters of Mark, we've seen a transition with Jesus. We saw him beginning his teaching in the synagogue, right? He went to the synagogue, and he was this visiting rabbi, and he began teaching there. And quickly, the crowds have got so big that he can no longer be in the synagogue, but also the religious leaders are no longer inviting him to speak in the synagogue. The religious leaders are now concerned about his message of forgiveness, his message of the relationship with God. They're concerned about this message that the Messiah is here and that they need to repent and, and turn away because that would eliminate the need for the, the rabbi's need for the Pharisees to be able to go to the church and, and get forgiveness from them. And so you have the church leaders have now sent Jesus out of the synagogues. So now we find him along the sea, and a great crowd is around him, and he's teaching them. And verse 14 says, And he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. 
And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Most people, virtually all scholars believe that this Levi is also the, the disciple known as Matthew. Matthew, by the way, means a gift from God. So I just thought, it, if you didn't know, my name's Matthew, and I'm just telling you, a gift from God. But, so Matthew is a gift from God, and he is a tax collector. Levi, this is his job. Now, to get an understanding of that, we often compare like, okay, an IRS agent, but it's nowhere near the same. It'd be a corrupt, stealing, thieving IRS agent. It would be a traitor. See, the way that the Jewish people saw that the, the Jewish tax collectors, like Levi, had sold their heritage, had sold their background, had sold their ancestors away to work now with Rome and to take Rome's taxes. So they're a traitor to your people, a traitor to your family. Tax collectors were looked down upon as some of the worst people because not only were, were, they, were they traitors, they're also often thieves. Rome gave them the power and said, take whatever you want, whatever you can get. We just want our share. So most tax collectors would take the 20% from someone that they're supposed to give to Rome, but they would count out 30% and keep 10 to line their pockets. So the Jews knew that these traitors are thieves, and they'd have nothing to do with the tax collector. To get an understanding of how much they were hated, if a tax collector touched your home, it would be considered unclean, and you'd have to have a rabbi come and bless it. If you t made contact with a tax collector, you were unclean, and you couldn't go in the synagogue and worship. The tax collectors were so bad that the, the rabbi code was that you were allowed to, it was, uh, the only time it was okay to lie is to a tax collector, if you're a Jew. They were hated. And this is Levi. He's a person that no one wants to be with. He's not Roman, so the Romans don't like him. He's not a good Jew, so the Jews don't like him. He's basically sold his soul, his life, for money. No one wants to be around him except for Jesus. Except for Jesus. Jesus looks at him and says, follow me. Now Jesus has been in this area teaching and, and I believe uh, as with many of the calls of the disciples, this isn't the first time they've heard him. So Levi has heard Jesus' teachings. He's heard the, the, about the miracles. He's heard what Jesus has said about forgiveness and about being here to seek and save the lost. And Levi knows He's the most lost of all of them. He knows he's sold his life, his heritage for the value of money. He knows he's broken. He knows he's lonely. He's hurting. And so Jesus comes by again. And that morning, Levi went to work as he did every day. And he got up and probably left his plush home that has been lined with the, the thievery from all his Jewish friends and family. And he leaves his home and he goes to work. But this day is different. Jesus comes by. Jesus enters his life. He's heard Jesus many times before. But this is the day that he makes a change and does something different. And when Jesus says, follow me, he gets up and he leaves and follows him. The version of the story in Luke chapter 5 verse 28 says, And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. He left his table. He left what he'd collected already that day. And he said, this is it. I give it all up to follow Jesus. He was looking for something. 
Something that only Jesus could give. Something that money hadn't provided, power hadn't provided, a big house hadn't provided, the best camel money can buy hadn't provided. Something only Jesus could. And he gave it all up. And the next verse, verse 15 says, and he reclined at a table in his house. <laughs> so Levi says, when Jesus has fallen, Levi's like, yeah, let's go. We're throwing a party. Come on over to my home. I got, I'm going to invite everyone I know. And Jesus says, okay. And so he reclined at a table in his house. Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For, they, for there were many who followed him. I love this. Catch that. For there are many who followed him. The sinners, the tax collectors, those that are broken, those that are lost. We'll see story after story of individuals that came and encountered Jesus that were following him. Some that were sinners, some that were just hurt. Like the woman that broke the bottle of perfume and poured it on his feet and cleaned his feet with, his, with her hair and her tears. She just wanted to be with Jesus. And many of them were followers. Jesus didn't just call the righteous. He didn't just call the Pharisees. He didn't just call those that were living the perfect life. He called those that were hurting, those that were lost, those that are sinners and living the wrong path. They're all invited to this banquet, and Jesus is embracing them. Jesus is hanging out with them, the least of these. Those that society has looked down upon, those that family members have turned their back on. Those that were looking down upon themselves, Jesus wants to have dinner with. And so, in Luke, the Luke's version, chapter 5, verse 29 says, And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. Levi got this party together, and he comes to all together, and, and they're coming to see and be with Jesus. Everyone's there. The tax collectors, the sinners, the broken, the lost, and the Pharisees. What you're going to see as we work through Mark, Jesus is very rarely alone. Not just because big crowds want to follow him or because he's got this close group of men, this, this group of guys that are his disciples. But also we're going to see there's always the Pharisees. They're always trying to catch Jesus, to trick Jesus, to, to give him a, a tricky question or just to watch him and, and see him do something wrong and to be able to expose it to the world and say, ah, he's a fraud. This is why you should turn away from Jesus. And so the Pharisees are standing outside the tax collector's home and they're complaining. Verse 16 says, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat? with the tax collectors and sinners. They don't even address it to Jesus, right? Like, we haven't seen them get bold enough yet. We see the progression through Mark of Jesus' confrontation. First, he begins preaching in the synagogues, and now he has to be outside. And the Pharisees aren't confronting him yet. They go to his disciples and complain. And honestly, probably at this time in their relationship, the disciples don't have any answers. They're just looking at each other like, I don't, I don't, I don't really know why we are here. You know, I don't, these are the sinners and tax collectors. They throw a good party, but I don't know why, why we're here. And Jesus, verse 17 says, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, 
I come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. It's not to say that Jesus doesn't care for the righteous and that he doesn't want to be with those that are following God's plan. But he's saying he he does nothing that he can give to the person that thinks they're too good for Jesus. He's come for those that are willing to say, I need a physician because I'm sick. And so those are the tax collectors. Those are the sinners. Those are those that have shortcomings. Those are those that are hurting. Those that are weak. Those that have struggles. They've come to the physician because they're sick. Are we willing to admit that? Are we willing to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm broken. I don't have it all together. I try to put it to, put on that I do, but I don't. And I need you, Jesus. I need you because there's a sin in my life that I can't seem to overcome. Or maybe I need you because I just have this struggle that it's not even a sin, but it's, it's a shortcoming and I can't seem to get over it without the help of Jesus Christ in my life. Maybe it's I have this pain that I'm holding on to. Maybe it's I have this, real, this desire that I just can't let go of. This hope for what, what could be and it's not coming to fruition. Maybe we have these things, but are we willing to come and say, I'm sick and I need a physician. The Pharisees weren't willing to admit that. They just stand at a distance and judge. They fake that they have it all together. They're critical of anyone that doesn't. And Jesus wasn't able to minister to them. I hope that we're a group of people that can admit we're tax collectors. That can admit that we're sinners or admit that we're broken, admit that we're struggling, admit that we're hurting, admit that we're scared, admit that we're lost, admit that we're lonely. That instead of putting up this mask that the Pharisees, you know the Pharisees had struggles at home, but they'd put on a mask and fake it. You know the Pharisees had fears, but they wouldn't let anyone in. But the tax collectors, they did. I hope that this is a church that can be real. I want to be real. I want to be real with you and have you real with me. Every morning... Uh, in the winter, about four months or so, uh, I have a light at my office. And I have a light at home for the days that I don't come in. It's this crazy bright light. Let me show you. So every morning I come and I get to the office and I set my McDonald's tea and I get out my computer and then I go over and I turn this crazy bright thing on. Right? Super bright. And, and they tell me, I don't know about science, and, but they tell me that this is supposed to be like the sun, only it doesn't give me a tan. But it, it which would have been awesome, because then if you came, no one wants to be there early in the morning, because I just get stripped down to my skippies and I'll be getting all tan. Okay, um, anyways, so we got this, this light, and I sit in front of it for 10, 15 minutes to try to get the nutrients that the sun gives us the rest of the year. Because if I don't, I struggle with depression in the winter months. I'll turn it off because I'm probably blinding those people right there. Um, If I don't, I struggle. And even with that, two weeks ago, 
I got a phone call uh, from someone here at the church, and, and I was at home, and I told Sarah, I was like, I, I don't know if I can answer it. I'm just not doing well the past couple of days. And she said, then that's why you should answer it. Be real. And I was like, all right. So I called him back. And I said, hey, how are you? And he's like, all right. And I had called him earlier. He said, what were you calling for? And I told him. And then I said, while I have you on the phone, I just want you to pray. I'm down. I've been down for a couple days. And I just need your prayer. And that man prayed for me. And it was hard to be vulnerable and real. It's hard to tell all you that I sit in front of this light because there might be someone there that thinks I'm crazy. There might be some Pharisees in here watching online that are saying, man, his spiritual walk must be weak that he struggles with depression. But I do. Are you guys willing to be real? Between each other and between God. Are we willing to share our shortcomings or maybe our sins? Are we willing to, to admit we're tax collectors? <laughs> We're broken. Are you? Mark, as he does in his writing, quickly transitions from story to story. And so it continues on. Verse 18 says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to, said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The, day, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in that day. It's a weird answer, right? <laughs> but in Jesus' time, when there was a wedding, it was a celebration. It was a party. Life was hard back then. And this is the one time that they could just let loose and celebrate. And so they would come together, and it wasn't like our celebrations where we have a wedding and then maybe we have a reception for an hour or two. They partied hard. They partied for up to a week. And they would party, and especially the friends and the family of the bride and the groom came together, and they stayed, and they set up camp, and they just celebrated this marriage, the union of the bride and the groom, all week long. And this group was called, they even had their own name, they were the children of the, of the bridegroom. And so the children of the bridegroom would come, and they would celebrate, and they would be excited. And there was even this ruling from the, the rabbis, this rabbinic law that says, all in attendance of the bridegroom are relieved from the religious observances that would lessen their joy. They didn't have to fast that week. They didn't have to do those things that week because they were celebrating. They're celebrating the union of the groom and the bride have come together to create this marriage and we're there to celebrate. And so Jesus is saying, we are celebrating because we have the joy here today. This is that week. This is the bride, the groom is here. And so he's saying, my disciples aren't fasting because we're celebrating that the Messiah is among them. And I love this story as we look at today that Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that we would be saved, that our sins would be wiped clean, that we would be part of his family, that as a church body, not discovery, but as the church in general, would be the bride to Jesus as our groom. And we could come together and be in this time of celebration that we would be children of the bridegroom, that we'd be children of the bride of the wedding chamber and be able to celebrate the joy that is Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thing? 
And so put those stories together that Mark has these in order. The disciples are not fasting. Who's the newest disciple? A sinner. An outcast. A traitor. Who's the newest disciple that's there celebrating the joy of Jesus? Someone that's lonely, someone that's hurting, someone that's lost. Who's the newest person that is celebrating the celebration of the groom and the bride coming together? Jesus and the church is this man who has been spent his whole life as an outcast. And he was willing to come before Jesus and say, I'm broken, I'm a tax collector, I'm sick, will you heal me? And because of that, he is now celebrating the joy of this wedding. I want to be that tax collector celebrating the joy of Jesus coming down and saving us. Do you? Do you want to be real with Jesus, real with each other? Do you want to be one of those disciples that are celebrating, not a Pharisee, but sitting off at a distance, judging and missing the party? This doesn't mean that we continue on in our sin. Matthew, uh, 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 Levi, of all the disciples, gave up the most money-wise. He gave up the most lucrative job of all the disciples. He gave up the most power. He gave up the most wealth. He had to leave that life to follow Jesus. And and this is Jesus' message from the beginning of Mark. Remember, he says his message begins with repent. Repent and believe. Repent, turn away. When we admit we're tax collector, it doesn't mean I, I dwell in my sin. It means I'm, I'm broken and I'm coming to Jesus to find healing. We realize that from this passage, Jesus is here for the sick. Jesus is here for the tax collectors. I hope he's here. I know he's here. I hope you're here as a tax collector for him. What's that look like? What's it look like to be real, <laughs> to be open, to be vulnerable with Jesus? Looks like giving your life over to him. Looks like submitting to him. It looks like prayer. What's it look like to be real and vulnerable with each other? It means community. It means opening up. It means being willing to say, I'm real and I'm broken. I hope you're not a Pharisee that's going to judge me. It means not being Pharisees judging one another. It means joining a group. There's a men's group that meets on Thursday nights here at the church. Men, it's easy to put on this mask and pretend everything's okay. Maybe it's time to take down that mask and say, I'm real, and I want to be with other men that are real. Ladies, we're going to be starting uh, several small groups the week after Easter. And I'm excited for it because I think it's going to be something that's going to change our church. It's a hard small group. It's a hard study on forgiveness and moving on. Something that everyone needs to work through. But you're going to have to be real. You're going to have to be honest. Maybe join one of the small groups. Elliot had mentioned we got small groups here on Wednesday night, but we got them all throughout the week. Go on the website and see where could you get plugged in. Where could you be real? The Bible, the New Testament is full of one another's. Love one another, encourage one another, and care for one another, unite with one another. Even don't judge one another. Live out the one another's. This is what it would look like 
to be real. Because honestly, I think most of us are tax collectors. Most of us are. And if you're a Pharisee and you have it all perfect and you're judging it from the outside, then, then this might not be the church for you. Because this is a church of real people being real. I came across this uh, on social media this past week. It was posted by a children's minister that I worked with long ago in Colorado. It's called Church is Hard. Church is hard. Church is hard for the person walking through the doors, afraid of judgment. Church is hard for the pastor's family, under the microscope of an entire body. Church is hard for the prodigal soul returning home, broken and battered by the world. Church is hard for the girl who looks like she has it all together, but doesn't. Church is hard for the couple who fought the entire ride to service. Church is hard for the single mom surrounded by couples holding hands with seemingly perfect families. Church is hard for the widow and widower with no invitation to lunch after service. Church is hard for the deacon with an estranged child. Church is hard for the person singing worship songs overwhelmed by the weight of the lyrics. Church is hard for the man insecure in his role as a leader. Church is hard for the wife who longs to be led by a righteous man. Church is hard for the nursery volunteer who desperately longs for a baby to love. Church is hard for the single woman and single man, praying God brings them a mate. Church is hard for the teenage girl wearing a scarlet letter, ashamed of her mistakes. Church is hard for the sinners. Church is hard for me. It's hard because on the outside it all looks shiny and perfect, Sunday best in behavior and dress. However, underneath those layers, you find a body of imperfect people, carnal souls, selfish motives. But here is the beauty of church. Church isn't a building, mentality, or expectation. Church is a body. Church is a group of sinners saved by grace, living in fellowship as saints. Church is a body of believers bound as brothers and sisters by an eternal love. Church is a holy ground where sinners stand as equals before the throne of grace. Church is a refuge for broken hearts and a training ground for mighty warriors. Church is a converging of confrontation and invitation where sin is confronted and hearts are invited to seek restoration. Church is a lesson in faith and trust. Church is a bearer of burdens and a giver of hope. Church is a family, a family coming together, setting aside differences, forgetting past mistakes, rejoicing in the smallest victories. Church, the body and the circle of sinners turned saints, is where he resides, and if we ask, he is faithful to come. So even on the hard days at church, I'll remember, Jesus never failed to meet me there. I pray this is what this church is. Not just discovery when I say that but I mean the body of believers that call themselves the church, living and loving Jesus Christ. I pray that we could be real with one another. That moving forward, maybe you join a small group, maybe you open up at lunch, maybe you just grab a coffee with someone here. But more importantly, I pray that you can be open and real with God. Jesus came and died on the cross, and each week we take communion to remember that, to remember his body and his blood poured out for us, to remember the, the joy of salvation and the victory over death, 
to remember that death was arrested and that he rose. And this morning, we're going to take communion around the room. But on your, on your seat, you should have a little paper that says tax collector. And on this paper, I want to encourage you to take some time and write down what it is that maybe you just need to come and be real with Jesus about. Maybe it's a sin. For, for Levi, it was being a thief. For Levi, it was all that he had stolen from his fellow Jews. But for Levi, it was more. For Levi, it was also coming before Jesus and saying, I'm lonely. I'm lost. I'm struggling. I've seeked everything that the world has to offer, and it wasn't enough, and I needed you, Jesus. And so he left it all and followed him. What is it that maybe you need to just be real with Jesus today? Maybe it's a sin you need to write down. Maybe it's just something in your life that you just need to present before God. I wrote on my little paper, God, I need a light every morning for four months. And I want to find joy in you. What do you need to write on that paper? And go and give it to Jesus. When you're done writing it, just crumple it up and and put it in the vase next to the communion. And take your communion. And if you're doing this at home, I want to encourage you to to find a post-it note, a piece of paper, write it down. What is it that makes you a tax collector? Just like each one of us. And come before the Lord and say, I'm broken, I'm lost, I'm a sinner, I'm fallen, uh, I'm lonely, I'm depressed, I'm scared, I got all these things, but most importantly, God, I'm sick. Thank you for being the physician. And I want to be part of the party, the children of the bridegroom, celebrating the joy of you, Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray and and then we're going to take some time. Feel free to take as long as you need to write it out and, and go. And we're going to have an extended communion time. And, and actually the band's going to come and, and sing a song over you. A special music just for us to focus on during this time. And to come before the Lord as a tax collector. Lord, I, I come and I just lift this up. God, uh, this, this morning that we could be vulnerable Lord, I do hope that we're vulnerable to each other, that we can take down the mass, that this is not a place of Pharisees. And if there's a Pharisee here, God, that they would find another church. Because this is a church full of tax collectors. But God, most importantly, I pray that we can come before you and take down this mask and be real with you and to find joy in you. God, we thank you that we are at the wedding, that we are at the celebration, that we are part of the bride, and you are our groom, and that we are one with you. And God, let us rejoice and celebrate and live in that way, no longer as a tax collector, but as someone that's been redeemed, no longer as just a sinner, but someone that's been saved, no longer as someone that's lost, but someone that's found. God, let us be that in you, because you have saved us. You have redeemed us. You died on the cross and rose again. You have given us salvation. God, we lift this up in your name. Amen.